You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And good morning, good afternoon, whatever the case may be. You are here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's live radio talk show, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And we're here for you. We're here to talk about pets, anything you want to talk about, questions, and just maybe help inform you a bit more, make the, enhance that relationship you have with those four-legged friends of yours, and, uh, and have, a little, have a good time at the same time. I uh, want to thank our sponsors for allowing us to be here with you. Save This Life Microchip, Bravecto. And More Than a Cone, which is raising awareness of animal welfare through the arts. And they have great events trying to educate people about welfare. And they they do so in a really, really cool way by adding art to the cone of shame that uh, many dogs have to wear, many cats have to wear. And they're making it into works of art, which is so cool. Uh, Brevecto is my new favorite. Well, I should say one of my new favorites. I don't have a favorite of anything. Yeah, maybe ice cream. But generally, it's a once every three months, 12 weeks of protection flea and tick in a really cool, chewable treat. And um, it's very effective. My good friend, Mike Dryden from Kansas State, loves this product. And um, if he gives an endorsement, trust me, it's a good product. And today, we are lucky enough once again to have a very special guest, a colleague, a good friend, Dr. Heather Lenzer from the American Animal Hospital Association, a veterinary practitioner from New Jersey, and she is cute to boot, as you can see her, if you're joining us live here on Pet Life Radio. And by the way, if you want to get a hold of us live, it's really cool. Just go on to the www.petliferadio.com, and you can scroll down to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And when you open the page, there's going to be a link to a Google Hangouts. And if you go on the link, you can actually be here live with us. And if you are shy, or if you are not dressed appropriately this early in the morning, depending where you are, you can always call us at 877-385-8882. Once again, toll-free, 877-385-8882. So this month, the month of February, happens to be Pet Dental Health Month, and that's co-sponsored by American Animal Hospital Association, uh, the American Veterinary Medical Association, and I'm sure the dental societies as well. But we've adopted it as the month to take care of business. Uh, but we do in our hospital, we give a nice discount for anybody who wants to come in this month for dental care. And, um, you know, the whole issue with teeth are very, very important, considering the fact that boy, dogs have so many of 42 of them. I mean, that's a lot of teeth to deal with. And and uh, also, we often guesstimate that 75% of dogs and cats over the age of three already have some degree of dental periodontal disease. That's pretty bad. And if I ask you right now, for a show of hands. And you know, the, the truth of the matter is, I don't even have to, don't even have to see you. I know the answer. How many of you brush your pet's teeth on a very regular basis, at least three, four times a week? And the reason why I don't have to actually see is because I know that no hands are going up and including mine. If you notice, my hands aren't going up. It is a very, very challenging thing to do. And therefore there are some major differences between us and our pets when it comes to dental care. And to help us spread that message, Dr. Lenzer, Heather, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm absolutely fantastic. Good. So, Heather, how many dogs and cats do you have? I have two dogs, actually, and it's well, he's on the floor. You can't see him from okay. here. I have a three-year-old Border Collie and an 11-year-old miniature poodle. Okay. And the miniature poodle just had his teeth taken care of. He's not the kind of dog that lets me brush his teeth, but he had uh, a bunch of teeth extracted 
He of did course. really, really well. But, you know, I, I say, you know, I wish I could have taken care of better care of his teeth. But I also know, my goodness, after after he had all that done, I swear it took, he, I mean, he's down to being a six-year-old dog again. He's all active right. and comfortable because a lot of times you, you don't realize that they're in kind of a chronic state of pain until you take that, that source of pain away. So <laughs> I'm very, very pleased. It's a great point. And, and so many people over the years have told me that what I'm trying to sell, and I hate using that word, but promote the practice of something. And I get them finally to do it. And I get that all the time. Exactly. You just said, I can't mm-hmm. believe it. He's like a puppy again. Exactly. So that kind of tells you dogs and cats don't typically complain. First of all, I think, you know, it goes back into nature uh, evolutionarily that any, think about it. If a dog or a cat showed outward signs of pain, discomfort, slowing down, they were a sitting duck for a predator. Exactly. So, so they brave through it, whatever. And, and first they know also, who's going to listen? No, it's not like our kids that they complain. They hope you're going to listen. No one's going to listen to a in, in a pack of, of dogs that, that, oh, my God, oh, ow, my tooth hurts so much. And sometimes they don't even show signs of pain. But when you finally get those teeth clean, it makes worlds of difference. You know, it's a good point. I was having, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, but the, the process and why things are different with people and pets, where you can't say, you know, people have such a natural tendency to anthropomorphize. Well, God, I don't have to have blank, blank, blank. So therefore, why should my pets? Mm-hmm. And there are major differences. And I was talking to a, another colleague of ours, Dr. Jan Bellows, who is a veterinary dentist. And I brought up the point about, well, you know, people don't get, for example, anesthetized unless they have major work being done, but for a cleaning Yes, people freak out a little bit. Maybe they'll get a little nitrous oxide gas. Maybe they don't really need it, but they like it. But certainly, we're not, we're not getting knocked out every time we have a teeth cleaning. And yet, for animals, we really learned we have to do it. And his study, which we'll talk about in a minute, was one of the most instrumental studies that certainly changed my mind. And um, I've become sort of an advocate against these groomers. And actually, many municipalities and states have now have rules now that anyone there's a good one. I think it's well, California. Any non-veterinarian who touches a pet's tooth with a metallic instrument, meaning a scraper, is considered practicing veterinary medicine without a license. Wow, that's really strict. I, but yeah. I love it. I think that's oh, it's incredibly, incredibly important. So, so groomers can brush teeth if right. they can, but you, they can't sc- start scraping away plaque that's and tartar. So, I agree. And, and the, the issue is because most of us, and I would imagine anybody listening to our show right now, brushes their own teeth at least twice a day. I would hope so, right? And maybe even more. And yet, not only do we not brush our pet's teeth twice a day, we don't even do it once a day. We don't even usually do it every other day. Lucky if we do it two to three times a week. And that's lucky. That's amazing. I'm bowing down to you if you're going to do it two to three times a week. <laughs> and so you can imagine the amount of debris and that starts as plaque and then ultimately mixing with saliva and the bacteria in the mouth becomes tartar or calculus. You cannot take that off with brushing. You just can't. And what happens is as it builds up, kind of like a snowball effect, now it's putting pressure on the gums. And that's why all these animals have periodontal disease. So the only way to clean it properly is to get thorough cleaning. The only way to do that is anesthesia, sedation. They, dogs and cats have to be said, try brushing your cat's teeth. Most people can't even clip their cat's toenails. They're going to actually put their fingers in their mouths and their brush and whatever and try to. It's not going to happen. So, and I know I have six of those and I have five dogs. So I beat Heather on the, on the pet front. And uh, trust me, I know. Plus, I don't have enough hours in the day to brush the right. teeth every day. <laughs> 
You're right. So let's talk about that for a second, Heather. Why is it and how is it? I know that the American Animal Hospital Association standards are probably the best out there and Mm -hmm. probably the strictest. Mm -hmm. How did this all come about? Well, so what the American Animal Hospital Association does is we accredit veterinary hospitals and not every hospital is accredited. Now, Dr. Werber's is one of ours and we're really pleased with that. But what our hospitals have to do is they have to adhere to over 900 standards of veterinary excellence. And we have kind of two categories and I'll go through this super quick. There's non-mandatory ones, and then there's mandatory standards. And obviously, the mandatory standards are a big deal. These are things that we absolutely strongly believe that you have to do in order to be accredited by our organization. One of these is doing dental cleanings with a pet under anesthesia. And the reason that the organization took such a strong stance against doing these scrapings with the, the dogs or cats awake is because you just can't do it safely or effectively. Because as you said, the accumulating plaque and tartar, when it gets underneath the gums, that hurts a lot to scrape out. I mean, just think about how even flossing can be uncomfortable if you haven't done it for a while in your own mouth, let alone putting dental instruments underneath the gums. So we strongly recommend that, well, we we mandatory that if you're going to be cleaning teeth, the animal needs to be asleep, first of all, for their comfort, and then also for safety. I mean, you don't want to have a dog biting down or a cat biting down and making a big laceration or cut in the tongue or the roof of the mouth. Uh, You don't want whoever's cleaning the teeth to get injured. And the other reason is there's all this debris flying around. You think about when you're at the dentist, you actually get goggles, right? Because there's going to be your own plaque and tartar and bacteria flying all over the room when they spray water and air in your mouth. Same thing with dogs and cats. So if they're asleep and all this water and gunk is flying around, they could accidentally inhale all that gunk and it could go into their lungs. And that can lead to something that's very, very hard to treat called aspiration pneumonia. So because now you have, I mean, think of plaque and tartar and bacteria in your lungs. That's very, it's incredibly serious. So instead, what we recommend is that animals have a tube placed down their windpipe is then hooked up to an anesthesia machine. And through that anesthesia machine will come the gas that will help them stay asleep and also oxygen. So that keeps them breathing properly, but it also makes it so it's impossible for gross debris and gunk and bacteria to get into the animal's lungs. So those are our two really important main criteria and why we believe that animals should not get their teeth cleaned awake. You know, um, uh, Dr. Bellows, who I alluded to earlier, um, he actually performed a study that was a, a mind blow for me. And he followed a number of dogs that were going to groomers for their, their dentistry, their cleaning, and those going to a veterinarian. I think it was three years or four years. It was a retrospective, and he had the whole thing set up where he took pre and post pictures, but he didn't tell the groomers that his post pictures were also going to be post radiographs. Mm-hmm. And he showed over the years that the teeth, I mean, there's no doubt. And let's get this uh, set straight. If you have a good dental hygienist or a groomer who's been trained and knows how to do it, they can actually clean the surface of the tooth rather well. Sometimes, for me, it was impressively well. However, when Dr. Bellows took these x-rays and showed the bone destruction, because as you said, you cannot get under the gums and do a thorough deep cleaning with an animal awake. It's just not going to happen. You can kid yourself because you're going to look at the teeth at the end and say, oh my God, look how white they are. Look at Heather's teeth. Look how white they are. Right. (laughs) But it's not doing the thorough job. And this is where we run into trouble. When I saw that study and I used to do a, 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 also I had a woman come in who was a former human dental hygienist and she did the taco wrap, you know, put the dog in the burrito and wrapped up in quiet room. And I will tell you the post, you know, the, after the, the cleaning, the teeth did look really good. But when I saw that study, I said, okay, I'm done. No more. 
And this was like five, six years ago for me and never again. And now every one of our animals is intubated. Which, And also one thing that you, depending on the type of anesthesia you use, I believe anyway, anytime you're going to anesthetize any dog, they should have an IV catheter in place. Oh, good point. And, and the reason for that is that depending on the type of agent you use and one that I use does really uh, suppress the blood pressure when you are in a panic. And now you're trying to, you have to get a, a fluid line going or a direct line, an IV line going, and you have an animal who's down and depressed and low, low blood pressure, it's really hard to find those veins. Right. So I am a big advocate of any time we have any animal that's under any kind of sedation, they have an intravenous catheter first. And then also, as Dr. Lenzer just mentioned, the airway is so critically important. And one other thing, and this is to scare you, all right, so I'm, I hope it works. And that is that when we have these animals that are having postmortem or autopsies, because of cardiac failure, all right, endocarditis, which is a valve infection on the heart valves, or something called a kidney disease called glomerulonephritis, which is a severe infection of the filtration apparatus of the kidneys, and they die. These, these are deadly diseases. And guess what? The bacteria that are cultured from either one of these two organs originated in the mouth. So don't kid yourself in thinking that, oh, God, it's just bad breath, and, oh, dogs in the wild, they never had anyone brushing their teeth, and, yeah, and they would also die. So you just can't use that argument. And plus, we're not that way. You're not going to let your kid who's got a terrible infection, you're just not going to let it go because, ah, he's a strong kid. He'll take care of himself. These are our children. They're four-legged. They sometimes give us much more love than our real kids do. And um, and they don't ask for as much either. And they don't cost as much either. And um, <laughs> they're not going to four-year colleges. And uh, they're not getting allowances. So, so you should be pleased that you're sharing your home with them and vice versa. And trust me, they're giving you a lot more love. So I think that it's very important to realize that you can't ignore the mouth. It is a, first of all, it's a, it's a big organ and it is responsible for a lot of other conditions and problems and loose teeth and teeth turning color, brown teeth, look for red gums, anything like that you're going to see in your pet's mouth. It's time to see your dentist. Don't go away. We're going to come right back with Dr. Lenzer and American Animal Hospital Association after these brief words. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. As a dog, I know a lot about fleas and ticks, so trust me when I say no other Tasty Chew protects dogs as long as Brevecto. One Brevecto Chew keeps fleas and ticks away for up to 12 weeks. Be a good human and ask your vet about Brevecto. Brevecto may cause vomiting. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of Whitegate PR. We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years. 
If you have a pet product or service you would like to promote, give us a call. We can help create awareness for your brand on TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and blogs. Feel free to reach me directly at 619-414-9307 or learn more on our website at whitegatepr.com or follow us on Facebook. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and my special guest, Dr. Heather Linzer from the American Animal Hospital Association, and we are talking teeth. So, Heather, let's talk, you know, how often, you know, have you had an animal in front of you, and you're doing your exam, and of course, you lift up the lip, and you look at these mouth, and you see, oh my God, this is disgusting. Or, you know, the dog jumps up at you, which is, you know, I get plenty of, and gives you, wants to give you major tongue, and they open their mouth, and oh my God, it's like, it can, it can knock you over. And you say to yourself, how did this person not get this? So, right. let's talk about what pet parents can do to at least check their own pet's teeth and what signs they can look for to say, oh, we got to get Bowser in to the doc like ASAP. Well, as you said at the beginning, more than 75% of our dogs and cats by the age of three have some kind of dental disease. And the first, so that means if you have a, you know, three-year-old animal, they probably something funky going on in their mouth. And the earliest sign is bad breath. So if you think about, you know, snuggling with either your cat or your dog and you're like, gosh, I would, but he's really smelly. Maybe he needs a bath or maybe he stepped in something. You know, he probably didn't. It's probably his mouth. So if you lift up the gums and you look at the teeth, the gums should be nice and clean and pink and uniformly pink, like ours are. What happens, though, when you start to have severe or even mild infections, let's just go mild, early signs right now, bad breath, and then the gums, there's a red line between where the teeth and the gums meet. And that red line is inflammation and it starts to get swollen. It can happen in people too, but, but with proper dental care, we don't see it very much in people. So then after that, you look, my favorite place to look for tartar is in the back teeth, the ones, the molars. That's where the salivary glands open up and all of the, the stuff that's in saliva, including minerals like calcium, they will deposit right where the salivary glands open. And you can get a ton of white to yellow to brown to green accumulation on those back teeth. And that is where the smell is coming from. It's the bacteria that are hiding in that tartar and plaque that are just happily just growing and multiplying and just making horrible, horrible smells. So I would say the if you can't handle being up by your pet's mouth, that should be your very first sign they need to go to the vet. And if you're brave enough to then open their mouth, you will probably see some of the signs that I just discussed. Now, what's also interesting is that, that you mentioned the premolars and molars, and that, that is 100% true, which is also, you know, empirically, one would think, since let's face it, how many dogs really need their incisor teeth to eat mm-hmm. nowadays? Or incisors are for cutting. Dogs aren't having to cut for their food. They can grab with them, but that's about it. Then I've known plenty of dogs eat very well with no incisors. Even the canines, the fangs, those are for Mm -hmm. tearing. Again, unless they're eating raw flesh, I hope they're not, but then they probably don't need those either. But 
their chewing teeth, the premolars and molars are essential. Yet, so one would think if they're using those teeth every day and you're feeding dry food because the doctors and everyone tells you dry food will help minimize the plaque, why is it that those are the teeth they get the most? And it's because of those salivary ducts. And it's so true. So don't be fooled and don't think that just because I'm feeding dry food, because sadly and interestingly, those premolar and molar teeth are also sometimes the most difficult ones for you to get to. And interestingly, also for those non-anesthetic dentistry people, because I have had many cases where I'm looking at the teeth and they go, oh, we just had them cleaned. The groomer just had them cleaned. And I pull the cheeks way back where I can show them the upper fourth premolar called the carnasal and the first and second molars. And oh my God, they are like disgusting. So even they can't get way back there and do it thoroughly. So don't kid yourselves. And it's important to know that most people have a tough time looking way back there. So you honestly don't know. And another thing that I will tell you is that I hate to be bold, but sometimes I am. And that is that if you go in for your exam, your pet exam, and your veterinarian doesn't even look in the mouth, and I'll give you a case in point. I would just consider talking to some friends and say, man, who's your veterinarian? Here's um, a case. I, I had a, you know, working in California, I get some celebrity clients, and I had one such celebrity coming in with a little Pomeranian. And as it's a little puppy, and we are talking about what we call retained deciduous teeth. These are, these are baby teeth that often, very often, the small breeds do not fall out on schedule, sometimes not at all, and need to be actually extracted, which is why when I do, you know, for small breeds, when I do my spay-neuter, I don't like spay-neuter, early spay-neuter programs, um, especially with home-cared, home-owned pets, because I know that there's a good chance I'm going to have to knock them out anyway when they're six months. So that's when I like to do my spays and neuters. So I can take those teeth out at the same time. So I explained to her why we're going to wait and I'm worried about these scissors teeth. And she goes, well, I have two other palms and they haven't had it. I said, I will bet you that either they were taken out and you didn't know it or one of your dogs still has it. Sure enough, she brings in these two palms to me that we're seeing another vet for who knows how long and how right am I? Sure enough, deciduous canines, both uppers, she was flabbergasted flabbergasted that her vet, no one ever told her about this. And needless to say, she's been my client ever since. So it's very, very important to make sure that that becomes part of the overall exam is an oral exam, because it is obviously it's a very, very important organ. And it's one of those things, as we mentioned earlier in the show, dogs and cats don't typically tell us when there's a problem. And sometimes they're what we call ADR. They ain't doing right. We just don't know where the problem lies, and, and they can't tell us. So it's up to us as veterinarians to do our really thorough physical, and that includes checking everything we can to make sure it's right. So, Heather, let's talk about what can people do at home. I mean, we're going to tell them. We tell them until we're blue in the face. It's not going to happen. Brush, but at least brush, they can't say, well, you never told right. me. Exactly. So, um, so there's a couple of things that I really am glad that are out there. And one of them is an organization called the Veterinary Oral Health Council, or VOHC. And this is a group of people that banded together because the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, isn't super excited about figuring out whether or not if you put a claim on pet food or a toothpaste or something you add to the water and you say it removes plaque and tartar, the FDA just doesn't have the bandwidth to challenge whether or not that's true. So the VOHC came along and they now privately, they will, uh, you can submit your dental product to them and it can be tested to see whether or not 
it does actually do what it says it does because people in the pet business are smart and they know that, uh, you know, more than 80% of pets have dental problems by the age of three. It's a huge market. So there's tons of stuff out there that says that it removes plaque and tartar. It's everywhere. And those marketers can't get in trouble because the FDA doesn't look into it. So the VOHC puts a seal of approval on products that diminish the accumulation of plaque and tartar. So you can go to VOHC, I think it's VOHC.org, and there's a list of things. There's several foods out there that are have proven to be very helpful at getting rid of tartar and plaque or diminishing the accumulation of. The key situation here, the key characteristic is that these dog kibbles and cat kibbles are huge. They're so much bigger than what you would think of. The cat kibble is probably the size of what you feed your dog. And the dog kibble is a, can be almost the size of a golf ball. And the point there is the whole reason they do it is because now the animal can't just swallow the kibble whole, which so many animals do. And the way it's designed, there's like a, a matrix of it, that you can't see. It's down at the molecular level. And when an animal chews down and crunches down on that food, it does help brush their teeth, basically. And there's also dog treats out there that uh, to you look you know, pretty, pretty much like the, you know, anything else, or just like the one sitting beside them in the pet store, even the grocery store. But if you flip them over, you'll see the VOHC seal of approval. So I think that if with really astute pet owners, which I know your listeners are, if you check out this stuff, you can get it. I mean, you can get it really anywhere, these products anywhere online, at your veterinary hospital, at the grocery store, at the pet store, but just be really careful that that seal of approval is there. Now, another thing is, and let's not forget, still the tried and true, the best approach of all to minimize plaque and tartar is to brush your pet's teeth. Right. And there are plenty of tooth kits out there. If you start with them when they're young, you can start, first of all, I recommend just your finger and a little bit of this, you know, tasty, non-sudging, swallowable dentifrice like a toothpaste, usually poultry or fish flavored, and just start rubbing the gums and the teeth when they're very little for 10 seconds. <gasps> oh my God, good, 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 good. And then give a little treat. And then you can graduate to a finger brush and then you graduate to a toothbrush and do it regularly. The more things that they are chew, the more effective they're going to be. The things that are just water additives, again, you can get, there's some, uh, some out there that are pr- probably pretty decent, but obviously it's not going to do the same. Now, if we can cut down on some of the bacteria, which is one of the major components of the accumulation of turning plaque into tartar, then yes, that will help. There are gels that you can rub onto the Anything is better than nothing, but make sure that, you know, I love the VOHC. Oh, there's your dog in the background. There he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't think that you, you should not try when they're young to get them used to the process of having their pet's teeth brushed. I can't tell you how many times people have come to me and said, oh, no, he won't let me brush teeth. You know, I literally get my toothbrush and my finger and I teach him what to do. And I am literally spending 30, 40, 50 seconds with zero objection so it tells me either they're not trying, and also a little trick is, and don't necessarily, sometimes dogs don't like it when you come right at them. So what I do is I get behind them, and I do it from behind, and I pull the gums back, and they tolerate it fine, make it fun, make it regular, always make the association with something positive, reward, treat, whatever, and you can actually get them to look forward to having their teeth brushed. I recommend doing it before a meal, as before the meal, so make the association, before a walk, before something fun. And that way, they will tolerate it. They'll actually sometimes even look forward to it. And you can do your best to keep your pet's mouth healthy, breath smelling, great, nice, clean teeth. And uh, anyway, take it from there. So, Heather, thanks once again for joining us. I have, 
I have one last thing. Um, pet owners can go to aha.org and click on the pet owner link. And there's a whole bunch of videos and uh, tips on how to brush your teeth. Ah, so great. go to aaha.org and then just type in toothbrushing and you'll, you'll see everything there. So once again, thanks for uh, joining me on the show. We'd love having you as a guest whenever you want to come on and talk about something. Uh, on behalf of AHA, American Animal Hospital Association, please just let us know. Uh, for everybody else out there, have a great week. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, Provecto, Save This Life, Microchip, and More Than a Cone by Kong Veterinary Products. And we will see you all here next week. Have a great week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.